Father's Day. Uh, my dad, if you're watching now or later, I love you. Thank you for everything you've done for me. I just called him this week. Every time I, he works at a car dealership as a parts manager, so usually a lot of times when he hears from me, I've got something wrong with my car. <laughs> what do you need? So this past week, my air conditioner has been out in my car. It's been nice. It's one way to lose weight, just sweat it off. Father's Day today, lead well. We're going to be in Ephesians, and we're going to be in that verse that everybody, all the husbands love, all the wives think they take it the wrong way. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 21. I promise you, I am not going to deliver it that way. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ephesians 5, it'll be on the screen also. As I was going over this this week and last night, when you preach a message on Father's Day, you tend to evaluate your fatherhood and your parenting skills and your husband skills, and you kind of find yourself coming up short. Maybe it's just me, but um, that, you know, I got stuff to work on, that I'm always, I have room for improvement, right, honey? <laughs> she said, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything today. I asked her if she wanted to talk and tell me what all I did wrong, you know, throughout our years of marriage. And she said, nope, I'm not saying anything. So I guess I'm perfect. <laughs> now she's giving me a look. So I'll move on. Here we go. Starting in verse 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. There's that one right there. Let's just get it out there. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. The guys always forget to go on and read. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And I also wanted to get one through four in Ephesians, because we'll hit on that a little bit today as well. Children, obey your parents. Let me say it again. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Lead well this morning. As, uh, this can be um, for everyone, but I'm kind of hitting on the men in the room today, not just as fathers, but as husbands, um, just as men of God, that we need to lead well, especially with the way things are in our world right now. We need to lead well, but how do we lead well? The first thing we have to do is take this seriously. 
Man, we have to take this seriously. The instructions that God gives us and how we lead, we need to take them seriously. Um, and what's required of us in the scriptures. We have to take God's instruction and apply that to how we should husband, how we should father during our time here on earth. And we can only lead well if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. We've got to let that Holy Spirit lead us. Every man in the church should be managing their home. Agree or disagree? I didn't hear any. Okay. Something we don't think about enough is every man, whether, whether you're going to serve as a deacon or not in the church, you should lead as if you're a deacon in the church. You should have those qualities at home. 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13 talks about these, about being well-respected and having integrity. Must not be a heavy drinker. Can't be dishonest with money. Exercise self-control in your home. How many of you guys lose it sometimes? Oh, yeah. I don't want to point anybody out, but I've seen you lose it sometimes, but I myself have as well. All right. Be faithful in everything you do. Faithful to his, you should be faithful to your wife. Manage your children and your household well. The husband is the head of the family. He's the head of his wife. He should lead her well. Lead the family well. What kind of leader is a good husband? It's not one that lords it over her. Submit to me, woman. I'm in charge. That's not what he's talking about. Okay? There's people out there like that. They might be in this room. <laughs> it's one who strives to be a godly example in the household. And we live in a time where, where biblical male leadership in the home is not happening as much as it should. Um, or it's being resisted by our culture and even in the church. Now, some of that's on the men. Some of that's on our culture that they've just turned things around. I don't need no man. I don't need no man to do this. We come up with our own version of what married life looks like, and many times it's not biblical at all. Again, we're not supposed to be like the world. So we're going to break down a few of these scriptures here in Ephesians 5. 22, I'll just hit this one right up front. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And to submit means that you recognize someone has legitimate authority over you. It means you recognize that there's an order of authority and that you're part of a unit, a team. Okay? When we submit to God, we recognize God's authority and act accordingly. Now, here's another one. When we submit to the police, we recognize the authority of the police and act accordingly. I just want to hit that one again real quick. When we submit to the police, we recognize the authority of the police and act accordingly. I support our police force. Now, I know a lot of things going on in the world speak against that, but every group, no matter where it is, always going to have a few bad apples. That does not mean the whole organization is bad. So, I support you. Law enforcement, I support you. Submit to them. And everything but just fine. Okay? Submission does not mean inferiority. Now, if you're interpreting this scripture the wrong way, you are not supposed to treat your wife like she's inferior to you. I thought I'd get some amens from the ladies. <laughs> As well, submission does not mean silence. Don't talk. Know your place. I've heard these things. 
Submission means submission. There's a mission for the Christian marriage, and that mission is obeying and glorifying God. The wife says, I'm going to put, you, put myself under that mission of our marriage. That mission is more important than my individual desires. I'm not putting myself below my husband. I'm putting myself below the mission God has for our marriage for my life. For my life. As to the Lord, it goes on to say, Husbands, this does not mean as if you were God himself. Now, I've been in homes when I was growing up where husbands, you know, I went to a friend's house, and I've seen husbands act like this. Like, this is my house. These are my rules. My wife does whatever I tell her to do, and that's just the way it is around here. I'm like, wow. And then there's wives that take that. But he's not leading well. That husband's not leading well. It means, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands because it is part of your duty to the Lord. You're not doing it only for the husband. You are doing it for the Lord himself. Reasons. Verses 23 and 24. Reasons for a Christian wife's submission. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ... So let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. So Paul's stating here another reason for a wife's submission. It is because the husband is the head of the wife. Okay? Uh, I'm going to get to something later on to kind of show this all on a picture here. But headship, authority, it means to have the appropriate responsibility to lead and the matching accountability is right and appropriate to submit to someone who is our head. Okay? Um, Who's in charge of me here at the church? Anyone? (laughs) Not Justine. It's the deacons. (laughs) Okay? I'm accountable to them. So there's there's always a head of something, all right? When you look at the biblical idea of leadership in other passages like uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 Timothy 3, the emphasis is put constantly upon the fact that the man was created first and then the woman. So there's a priority by creation for man. And the scripture also talks about the fact that women, a woman was made from the man and that she was be, meant to be a what for him? Help. A helpmate for him. Okay? Paul presents another reason for a Christian wife's submission to her husband. She should submit because the relationship of the husband and wife is the model of the union between Jesus and his church. This is straight Bible. I'm not, I'm, I'm not one of those that walks around, and my wife will tell you that. I don't go around telling her what to do and get my dinner on the table and do this and do that. That's not the way this is talking about in the Scripture. And it's wrong. If you're doing that, knock it off. <laughs> goes on to say, Husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. Wives are to submit to their husband, but it never excuses husbands for, for acting like tyrants over them. <laughs> it's quiet today. Quiet. According to 2 Timothy 1.7, God has given us the spirit of power, but also of love. Love. Power in the Christian life is always exercised, should be always exercised in love. It's not the power of a dictator or, again, a tyrant that tramples upon his wife's feelings and so on. No husband is entitled to say that he is the head of his house if he is not loving his wife like he should be. 
Not entitled to say that. This love that we should have for our wives should be giving. It should be sacrificial. It should be absorbing. Doesn't uh, demand or expect repayment from the love given. It gives because it loves. It does not love in order to receive something. We've got a husband's practice self-denial. It's not all about you all the time. It's not all about me all the time. goes on to say, the standard and example of a Christian husband's love in verses 25 through 27, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church and not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. We are to love our wives just as Christ also loved the church. That's big. That's deep, how much God loves his church. And we are to have that same love for our wives. Does a loveless marriage please God? No. Not at all. Not at all. We have to understand that the love that Jesus has for his church is a special kind of love. It's deep. It's, it's unimaginable at times, an agape love that he, you know, he just loves us so much and wants us to treat our wives with that same kind of love also. Loving her just like Christ loves the church. And there's a, you know, talking about the world and talking about the church, there's quite a difference in how people view this right now. Worldly leadership says, I'm in charge, so you take your orders from me and you've got to do whatever I want. That's going on in the world right now. How many of you know that? How many of you experienced that? You've seen that, okay? But godly leadership says, I'm your husband, so I must care for you and serve you also. Worldly submission says, you must submit to me, so here are the things I want you to do for me. But godly submission says, you must submit to me, so I'm accountable before God for you. I must care for you and serve you again. So husbands, you are to love your, lo- your wife just as much as Jesus loves his church. Amen. Yeah. I fail. I don't meet this all the time. I have bad days. <laughs> no excuse. I can do better at this, at loving my wife the way Christ loves the church. Uh, she'll be the first to tell you I'm not perfect. Far from it. But every day, if I'm taking this word seriously, I should be loving her like Christ loves the church. She wants you to love her that way. She wants you to lead that way. (laughs) Teen boys, pay attention. Know how you're supposed to love your future wife and how to treat her. Let's move on to the kids' side of things. Children, in verse 1 of chapter 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Kids, you want to live long? Honor your mother and your father. Children are to obey their parents. Was I rebellious at times? Yes. This not only means that children have the responsibility, responsibility to obey, but parents have the responsibility to, to teach. You have to teach them right from wrong. Teach them obedience. We don't need to teach our children how to disobey. Adam took care of that for us. They already know. You guys notice that? Little kids, they already know what not to do. They already know how to throw fits. We need to tell them no. We don't need to teach them to disobey because we've just inherited that. But obedience has to be taught. It's essential that a parent teach the child obedience so that the child will grow up knowing how to obey God no matter what the circumstance had come. Now, we're going to have, you guys know as adults, we face tough times. Our kids are going to face tough times, but they need to know that during those tough times, I'm still obedient to what God wants me to do. You have to teach them that. And some of you say, no, that's what church is for. No, you should be doing that at home. We see your kids a lot less than you see them. And, and it burns me when I was as a youth pastor that the parents, why aren't, why aren't you teaching them? I said, why aren't you teaching them? They're acting up again. What are you doing at home to help them? Well, I'll bring them here. Well, that's nice. But it takes, most of it takes place in your home. Preaching to myself too. All parents, this is what you, know, you have to discipline your children. You have to teach them about obedience. And, and disobedience must be punished. <laughs> you do it how you do. I do how I do. And so obedience can be learned. You know, when, when the bonds of family life break up, when the respect for parents fails, the communities around us look like chaos and disrespect. It don't take long to look around in our communities and see this going on right now because of we're not teaching obedience in the home. Now, I've seen parenting change so much over the years. Kids get away with so much more now. My mom would have went... And, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm talking about myself too, but parenting is just do what you want to do as long as you're happy and you leave me alone. That's what some parents are saying now. If you're happy, you're staying out of trouble, just do whatever you want to do. And that's the extent of discipling our children. Chapter 6, verse 4, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Do not provoke your children to wrath. We've got the opportunity to do that a lot to our kids. <laughs> Through unkind, overcritical attitudes that torment the child instead of training them up. We shouldn't be like this as Christian parents. When you're disciplining a child, you should have first controlled yourself. How can you teach discipline when you don't even have it yourself? I remember as a kid getting in trouble, and I'm, I'm finishing up. I remember getting in trouble as a kid, and 99% of the time, 
my mom and dad, when I did something wrong, or my brother and sister, they did it way more than me. But when we did something wrong, they never, ever, ever disciplined us out of anger. They made us wait, like the five-minute awful wait, in our bedroom. You knew what was coming. We spanked in my house. You knew what was coming, but they didn't want to come in there and do it while they were angry. Because then you're abusing your child instead of disciplining them. So I'm so thankful that my mom and dad taught me that, even though those five minutes was awful. Like, oh, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. And even worse than that, waiting time, and my mom and dad's probably laughing if they're watching right now, even worse than that was they wanted to come in and talk about it first. (laughs) Can you just get it over with? They wanted to come in and talk about it, and, which was another good thing. I look back and laugh now, but that's a good thing. Do you understand what you did? Do you understand why it was wrong? Do you understand why we don't act like that? That helped train me to be the person I am today. Not perfect, but a lot better than I would have been if they didn't do that in the home. And then you got your whipping. And then you just be mad at them for a while, so... Again, we can't teach discipline if we can't control ourselves. Bringing them up in the training and admonition of the Lord um, doesn't mean just simply scolding your children in the sense of admonition. It means to train and admonish them also. Encouragement and rebuke must be combined with training and teaching. That's the responsibility that we have as fathers. We have to teach And we have to be the spiritual example in the home. Now, a lot of times it's the mom. Just being honest, guys. A lot of times it's the mom being the spiritual example in the home. If you don't believe me, listen to years of Mother's Day sermons. And we say, oh, you're such a great mother. You're wonderful. And Father's Day sermons, you guys better shape up. There's a reason for that. Because the moms are doing much of the leading in the homes. When it should be. The man. Now, as far as training and teaching men, I've seen myself, I've seen other dads in action, and we have no issue at all with training our kids how to fish, how to hunt, and these are not bad things, how to hit a baseball, how to throw a curveball, how to catch a football, how to shoot, how to play. We teach them all of these things. But it can't come over this. And I'm afraid, you know, preaching to myself that this is down here somewhere. And a lot of times we're trying to live our glory, our, our glory days of sports through our kids. And this gets put to the back. That's great that you can teach Johnny how to throw a curveball and a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, but when life gets tough when he gets older, does he know where to go? Does he know that God will never forsake him and never leave him? Does he understand that uh, when you experience loss, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to fear no evil for God's right there with me? Does, Does he or she understand that? They understand all the promises that are found in here because you're training them up in the ways they should go. So when they're older, they're not going to depart from it. 
Or are you okay, man? Just I, I bring my kids to church and, and that's good enough for me. It's not good enough for him. Now that's rough. If you feel like you're getting beat up, I don't apologize. Again, I'm talking to myself that we have to step up as men. We have to lead well. We have to lead well. I want my kids to grow up and not understand how big our God is or how much Jesus loves them. I want them to grow up and understand in my life the example I set that this was number one for me. And sports and other things and everything else took a backseat to this. This is the most important thing. When, when, we get to he- when we get to that judgment seat, my dad, he taught me how to throw a curveball really well. But I didn't really know about all this stuff. I don't want my kids to be shocked when that day comes. Why didn't I do more? Why didn't I teach them? Why didn't I train them? Why didn't I bring them up in the ways of the Lord? Why didn't I stick to my guns and just do what I was called to do? Lead well. Be a godly example in your homes. I need to love Sarah like Christ loved the church. Every day. I need to train up my kids to know the Lord. I have to lead well. And then you also have to want to lead well. Because we can know what we need to do in our heads, but then it's a different thing to actually step out and start doing it. If you guys will stand this morning. I'm going to stretch you a little bit again today. And I'll be the first. Let me admit some faults of mine, so that way you guys don't feel so lonely in this. Um... For whatever reason, and I'm just throwing myself out there, I always do. I'm real. I'm genuine. For whatever reason, the most intimidating time for me to pray is for my wife. And you're like, that's silly. Anybody, and maybe I'm the only one. And I've told her this before. I don't do it near as often as I should, but it's intimidating me for whatever reason. I've told her I think that I feel like I'm judged by it or I'll say the same thing. You know what she tells me when I try to give excuses? I don't care what you say. I just want you to pray for me. That's it. Guys, I just want us to pray for him. Whether it's five seconds, she's told me that. Five minutes, it don't matter. She just wants me to pray for her. Got to do better. My kids, well, they're pastor's kids. They know all about the Lord. They can know more. I got more I can work on at home with them to be a better example for them. So what I'm going to do to stretch you this morning, I know some kids are back in OC Kids, but that's fine. You can pray for your wife if you don't have any of your kids with you. But if you're a, a husband or a father, I'm going to ask you to pray over your wife out loud. I'm going to ask you to pray over your kids if they're with you. I want you to get them this morning. If they're with you in the sanctuary, 
I don't want to spring a surprise on McKenna. But I want you to lead your family this morning. I want you to lead them well. I want you to pray over your wife. I want you to pray over your kids. And get out of your comfort zone a little bit this morning. Some of you guys, this may not be a big deal. But some of you in here, I know this is a step out of your comfort zone. But I'm telling you right now, your wife's going to appreciate it. Your family's going to appreciate it. And this could be that step in the direction for you to help you start leading well. Something could break this morning in you that says, I need to do better. So as we worship and pray, and the altars are still going to be open for anybody that needs prayer, um, for healing, whatever it is, altars are still going to be open for that. But men, right now, I want you to find your wife. Hopefully she's right next to you. Pray over her and pray over your family as we worship together.